you have your Bibles tonight, want to read with us, we invite you to turn to the book of the Revelation, chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2, and we're going to begin to read with verse number 1. I said Revelation, Brother Philip's eyes lit up. Uh, I'm not getting into another Brother Philip stuff, uh, but I'm going to preach the Lord willing tonight what the Lord's really allowed us to, to look at some this week in the word of the Lord. And, and You know, as we look at the times that we're living in, uh, we find that there's no doubt that we're living in a falling away. Is that right? Everybody agree with that? You, that there's a great falling away. The Bible tells us that this time's going to happen. God, God's word and boy, if you can't see it now, I mean, I know old old timers, Brother Dane, have always been able to see it a lot more than what we have because they've seen a lot nearer, a lot of things nearer to right and the truth than maybe what some of us have. But over the past little while, I have seen what I know as a great falling away, uh, a tremendous falling away. What I find is uh, is apostasy. And, uh, and you know, I, I've often said in, in reading that I believe in, that each of the seven churches that we read about in the revelation of the Lord Jesus, that each of those seven churches represent not only a church, but they represent an age of spirituality. Uh, they represent a time in which that the church will go through. And uh, But I, I do attest to this, that every church does not have to meet the standards of that age. Don't have to. Uh, you don't have to be, be, you don't have to be a Laodicean church. You don't have to be a church that's uh, rich and increased with goods and think I have need of nothing. You don't have to be a lukewarm church. We're living in the Laodicean age. Anybody, are there nobody that could stand and say that that we're not there. We're in the Laodicean age. We're, we have more than any church in, throughout history has ever had. We've got more comforts. We've got uh, uh, more collectibles, but we've got less compassion. We've got less love. We've got less desire for the things of God. we got the pews, but we don't have the passion. Uh, we, we, we've got everything that you think that money could buy, those things that really matter, we're lacking those things. And uh, it's a, it, it's a, in, that, in the age that we're living in and, and reading about that church that's at Laodicea, we find that the majority of the church work today fits that very standard. Rich and increased with goods, have need of nothing, don't understand their own shape that they're in. But know us not that thou art poor, miserable, wretched, or miserable, naked, wretched, and blind. Don't understand that for themselves. So Paul or John in dictating the letter that Jesus is writing to the seven angels of the seven churches, he begins to address these things. And you can find that that throughout these letters and, and that there is uh there's some letters that are uh, that are encouraging. There's one, the church at Philadelphia. Man, who wouldn't want to be part of the church at Philadelphia? Wouldn't that be a great church to be a member of? The church that 
of brotherly love, those that, that love one another. And, uh, they had a love not only for one another, but they had love for other things. Uh, but tonight we're going to look at the, the, the first church that, that the Lord addressed the letters to, and being the church that's at Ephesus. When you find your place, if you can and able, would you stand and honor the reading of the Word of God, Revelation chapter number 2, and we're going to begin to read with verse number 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that, hath, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat, at the, eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege tonight that you let us come back to the house of God. Thank you, Lord, that I know that it's in you that we've had this promise and this blessing and this privilege. Lord, thank you for the privilege of having a Bible. To read the words of God, Lord, to think and to think upon the things, God, that you've instructed us in from the book. Thank you, Lord, that you give us a book so much, Lord. Thank you, God, for entrusting us with the precious word of God. God, help us to apply this word tonight into our life. Help us to break the bread of life and to, to thoroughly digest what you tell us, God, and, and, and help it to make a difference in our hearts, I pray this night. God bless all that said to pray for me, help those that's sick and, or those that's uh, in trouble, those that are afflicted. God, I pray for the families that's not here tonight because of sickness, and I pray, God, your help upon each one of them, and I pray you'd heal them up and bring them back to church, Lord. We sure do miss them, and I pray, Lord, you'd help them. Help Brother John, Sister Wanda, keep them safe, Lord, and help them, Lord, even this night. Uh, thank you for all that you've done for us. Forgive us of our failures. Preach us now, if you will, in Jesus' name, for he's worthy. Amen and amen. Be seated. I want to talk to you tonight on the subject of the characteristics of apostasy's beginnings. The characteristics of apostasy's beginnings. You say, well, preacher, will you explain to me what apostasy is? I'd be glad to. According to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the word apostasy is an abandonment of what one has professed. That's what it is, an abandonment of what one has possessed. It's a total desertion, a departure from one's faith or religion. 
That is what apostasy is. It is uh, what we see taking place today on every hand. A total abandonment. Can I say it like this? An abandonment of the old time way. An abandonment of, 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 the, of the way of truth and of right. Uh, it, isn't it an amazing fact of what we read in the Word of God here uh, tonight, what we've studied, what we look at here in the second chapter concerning the church at Ephesus, uh, uh, that you can have so much right. And, and that's what we read about. If, you, if you'll look, uh, that, that Paul t- or John told them, that Jesus told them, uh, that I know thy works. In other words, I know what there is to know about you and, and, and thy labor and, and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and hast uh, tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Isn't it an amazing thing that you can have so much right, but still have so much wrong? That you can have all the, your eyes dotted, and your T's crossed, but yet there's still so much in, in, in there that we sometimes leave undone. We come to the house of God so often, we come so often unprepared to come to church. <clears throat> and I ask you a question. How long would you be able to go to church, go to work unprepared for the job that you have to do? How long would, would, would your boss put up with that? How long would your, your employer uh, put up with the fact that you're, you're there and you're drawing your payroll and you're enjoying the blessings of a, of a job but you have uh, not came prepared and you're not willing and you're not doing what it is that you ought to be a doing. Most of us, Brother Philip, wouldn't have a job very long. Our employer is, is, is depending upon us. They're, they're counting upon us. They're, they, they need us to be prepared when we come to do the job that we've been hired to do. Can I tell you tonight that also the Lord is counting on us? But the Lord, uh, you say, well, he don't really need us, preacher. You say the Lord don't need us. Now, I, I want you to understand, the Lord does not need me and you. The Lord can replace us. Very, we are replaceable, all right. But now he chooses to use us. And ain't you glad that God gives us the opportunity to be involved in the kingdom's work of the Lord Jesus Christ? <coughs> we, ought to count, we ought to count it a blessing that we have the opportunity to worship and to serve Him. The church at Ephesus had a lot of legal aspects of, of their, their faith right. That he said here in the Word of God, he said their works. Listen, he said, I know thy works. It's a very sobering thing tonight. Listen to me. It's a very sobering thing to know that the first two words that he spoke in verse number 2 is the words I know. In other words, that the Lord Jesus said there's nothing hidden. There's nothing that's going unnoticed. I know thy works. I know uh, what you're doing. They were not departing uh, from the faith. uh, uh, So there was uh, nothing, no one noticeably turning away from God. 
There wasn't a, there wasn't a Demas in the crowd maybe that, that had forsaken the Lord and having loved the present world. There, there may not have been a Demas there. But listen, he said, I know their works. He said, not only that, he said he knew their labor. They still would be very present at the events that required their labor. I wonder today how many of us, would, if we would be embarrassed to think that truthfully, the Lord knows our labor concerning the work of the Lord Jesus Christ concerning the, the, the effort we put into spiritual things. The effort that we put into the work of God. I wonder how many of us would hang our head in embarrassment when we would think that the Lord does know this. He said not only their works and their labor, but he said, I, knew that, I know thy patience. They were not, uh, uh, not to the place where they had become impatient with the things of God. I know thy, I know thy patience. He said also, listen, as we begin to look down there, and, the, and, 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 and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. In other words, he said, I know your character. I know what your character is. They were not acceptable of evil in any way. They stood for right. They standing for truth. They standing for the right thing and the right way and doing it the right with the right attitude. They they had that zeal about them, brother Joe, to, to stick with what the Bible said. And and they might have had a right preacher that would stand and preach the truth and and preach it with firm conviction and, and with a with a great burden. He may cry loud and and tell of of the great good. Of God, they their character was that they stood for right, and they would call out wrong, and they were not ashamed to denounce it. Sound like a pretty good church so far, don't it? Wouldn't you agree? Sound like a pretty good church so far, man. For the Lord, if the Lord, I, if I started reading this letter that the Lord had wrote to, to the church at North Spoon and. And the, the angel of the church at, at North Spoon, I started reading this and, and hear the Lord said, I know your works and thy labor and your patience and how you can't bear them which are evil and how you've tried them which say they're apostles and are not. And as I, I found them liars and you've borne and you have patience and for my name's sake, uh, you've labored and, uh, and, and, and you've not fainted. Boy, I tell you what, about that time, I might be swelling up pretty good and saying, boy, we got a good church going on here. We've got something good going on right here because the Lord said he's bragged on us pretty good so far he's bragged on us a whole lot so far but listen the apostasy hadn't come in yet uh, but we find uh, that the Lord starts and he states the, uh, here in this thing not only did he do this he said but uh, did he talk about their character he talked about their persistence uh, uh, the word born it means they persevered uh, they continued when things got hard there was some that stood the course uh, when some left uh, when some went away there was some that stood there there was some that stayed on the battlefield. They were some that didn't quit. They were some that didn't turn back. They were persistent. They were faithful. They were continuing in the fight of the Lord. Oh, listen, a good church to be mentioned. They continued on. You've kept on, but he said. You know what I find out also about them? He said they had no plan of turning back. They had no plan, I don't believe, of departing from the faith. I don't think the church at Ephesus had a plan of doing that. But the word in verse number 4, the first word there says, nevertheless. It'd be like us saying, but. Let me butt in here and say this. Nevertheless. 
Jesus said, even though you got all these things right, even though you're doing all these things in the right way, even though you're doing all these things in the right manner, nevertheless, I'm somewhat against it because thou hast left the first love. For years we've looked at this first love idea and we thought that maybe I'll no doubt what he's talking about is just talking about their, they lost their love for the Lord, their zeal for the Lord God. I understand that. That's uh, partially what took place, but that's not totally what's taking place. This first love that we're talking about here is not just the love that they had for the Lord. Our idea that, that, that Jesus is only speaking to Ephesus about their about his love for them, I believe, is a far-fetched idea. I don't believe that's the, that, that's the totality of uh, your first love. I know that you've got to love the Lord thy God. The Bible said uh, that in Matthew 22 and verse number 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That's certainly so, isn't it? That's the first commandment that the Lord gave us. We're, we're obligated to love God with everything we have. We're obligated to have that great, that great desire for God with every fiber of our being. We ought, to, we ought to love God. We ought to have a desire for Him. We ought to long uh, to be uh, with Him. That He ought to be the, the utmost of our, of our essence and desire. We ought to have a great love for the Lord. But He said there that Verse 20, in verse 39, he said this, and, th and, and the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Can I ask you a question? We're not going to be long tonight, but I want to ask you a question, really. Do you recall when you first got saved? Anybody remember when you got saved? Anybody remember when you first got saved? Oh, yeah. Boy, I remember when I first got saved. You know what I, 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 what I remember about when I first got saved? You know what I remember? Immediately, I had a desire to see that everybody got saved. Uh, we was in the jail a couple of weeks ago, and... Uh, Really, he was uh, he, he was distraught. He was torn up, and uh, he he didn't really you know he was he was really having a lot of trouble. Got born again there. Uh, the Lord dealt with him and, and, and saved him, and uh, and we dismissed there for a few minutes. And, <clears throat> and when we dismissed, he came up to where we were, and and he and he made the statement to us, and uh, he said, "I need to talk to you." And I said, okay, what you need to talk about? And he said, uh, sir, will you, will you pray for my daddy? He said, I, I want my daddy, and I'm talking about Brother Mike, tears running down his face. He said, I want my daddy to get what I just got. I want my daddy to get saved just like, 
I, I say, hallelujah, boy. Now, you talking about fruit of salvation, of true salvation, uh, that's a true fruit there because of what had taken place is that, uh, that, that, that he really and truthfully got a hold of, of something and he, he knew that he was going to miss hell uh, now and he wanted his family. He wanted his loved ones. He wanted his dad to miss hell as well. You, you see, what I'm saying is that immediately he had a burden uh, for his dad to be born again. Uh, we go to the woman that's at the well and the woman at the well after she she had received the Lord Jesus. The Bible said uh, that she went back to town. She left her water pots where they were and she went back to town and she said, come see a man that's told me everything I've done. What's ever told me everything I've done? Is this not the Christ? In other words, what she said is I've met him. I've met a man and I'd love for you to meet him too. I'd love for you to have the desire too. I'd love for you to have the longing too. I'd love for you to know him too. Won't you come see a man? Uh, come see a man that's told me everything that I've ever done. Is this not the Christ? Uh, isn't it strange that we've come to a place uh, that the souls of men are not as important as what they used to be to the local New Testament church? I'm talking about as important to either one of us, any of us. Jeremiah 2 and 2 we hear Jeremiah, God tell Jeremiah, go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of their, of, of their espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in, that land, in a land that was not sown. souls of lost humanity. Yeah. Now we can come to church every time the doors is open. Right. We can stand against all the evil we want to. We can stand against all the wrong we will. And if we're not running after souls, there's a problem. Yeah. If we're not desirous of the lost to be saved, there's a problem. And there's the beginning of apostasy. There's the beginning of that great falling away. That uh, that great uh, uh, this thing here is dead too. So uh, there, there's the beginning of the uh, the great uh, falling away and the great uh, turmoil and the great problem. And uh, listen, I'm telling you, it's just a it's a, it's a tremendous thing to understand uh, that uh, that you and I, as the people of God, that we've come to the place where we'll stand for what we call is right and we'll deal with what we call is as uh, as right. We'll we'll stand for wrong and we'll stand against wrong. But brethren, when it comes to the souls of men, we don't lose a night's sleep over them. We don't spend a time at the altar over them. There's been a problem come about. And listen, I'm telling you uh, that the next thing will happen is Ichabod will be written over the door. Did you notice? the scripture do you notice here in the word of God uh, where it says here about this uh, particular place uh, that Jesus in chapter number one uh, where the Bible said that Jesus is walking in the midst of the seven golden uh, candlesticks do you understand uh, that there he's in the midst uh, there he's walking in the uh, amongst them there he's uh, uh, dealing but all of a sudden when we find that he promises them if you don't do this uh, then I'm not going to be in the midst of them 
I'm not going to be walking amongst you. Uh, listen, you can go through all the motions. Uh, you can have elaborate revival meetings. Uh, you can have camp meetings. Uh, uh, you can hold uh, uh, all kind of uh, revivals throughout the year. But friend, if we don't get a desire and a zeal for the things of God and for the souls of men, uh, he'll ride Ichabod over the door. And it means that the glory of the Lord hath departed. I'm telling you today that we as God's people need to understand that apostasy is not that far away from you. It's not that far away from me. Think about how many times you're concerned about souls. Thou hast left thy first love. We seem to be able to spend much time in doing everything that we're supposed to do in man's eyes, but fail to see ourselves as God does. We see, we see all the standing that we ought to do, and it's not wrong to stand for right. And the Bible said, having done all, to stand. It's not wrong to stand. I'm not saying that, but I'm telling you, friend, that what's the problem is today is that we, we're majoring on the minors. We're majoring on the minors. I'm talking about the souls of men are important anymore. Can I ask you when the last time is that you handed out a gospel tract? Can I ask you when the last time is that you personally dealt with somebody and gave them the gospel yourself? Preacher, I can't do that. If you can't hand a gospel tract out, you cripple too high for crutches. It's not that we can't, it's that we're ashamed too. The beginning of apostasy has already set in. Think about where you were when you first got saved. If you didn't have that, I'm not going to tell you you're not saved, but I'm going to tell you when I got saved, I wanted everybody to know, get to know I wanted everybody to get born again. I wanted everybody I knew to get what I had. I, but then I didn't know how to tell them. I didn't know how to, but I remember going home and, and riding in the car with Mama, and I remember asking her, can I call Papa? But Papa Fairley, I, can I call him? I said, Mama, can we, can we stop by my Uncle Charlie's house because Renee, my cousin, was there, and me and her were like brothers and sisters, and, and I knew Renee didn't know the Lord. And, and I, the first thing, when we pulled in there and we went to tell them, and, and uh, we told them about, about them getting, about be getting saved, and boy, they were so happy, ecstatic. They was all crying and carrying on, and Renee didn't know what was going on, and I, I didn't know no better, just walked up to her and said, Renee, won't you get saved? I got scolded for that. I did. My mama scolded me about it. You don't do that, son. Really? Little I didn't know. Mama didn't know the Lord herself then, see. But I, I got, as I scolded, you know, we, we, we've got the idea that we've got to be led by the Holy Ghost before that we tell somebody about Jesus. How foolish is that? We've done had a commandment. We've done been commissioned to give the gospel. Ain't no, there's no need of a leadership of the Holy Spirit of God to tell somebody about Jesus. He's done told us to do it. Matter of fact, if we don't do it, we're disobeying him. Some of the foolish ideas we come up with is, is just foolish. I'm telling you, it's crazy. There's no reason that we shouldn't have a desire for the souls of men. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. 
because you've left your first love. Will you look around tonight? And I know there's folks that are not here because of sickness. There's some people that'd be here if they weren't sick. I know that. I know that just as good as I'm here. But say some here because they're in apostasy, not here because they're, they've fallen away. There's some not here because they've backslid, they've went away from God. Where did it start at? Do you believe they're saved? I believe some of them are truly saved. I really do. I believe some of them got born again. But something happened along the way that they left their first love. What was their first love? They left the Lord, of course. But then they started not, not caring about the souls of men. And it's even evident today because their own children, they don't care enough about their own children to bring them to the house of God and let them hear the preaching so that when the Holy Ghost of God deals with them that they can repent and believe Jesus and be born again. You see, that's the true definition of apostasy. Starts when we lose a desire for the souls of men. You know what ought to happen tonight? We ought to be on our faces at an old-fashioned altar and saying, God, I need you to renew a zeal in my heart and renew a desire in my heart. God, I need you to renew this in my heart so that I can have a burden for lost people again. God, I don't want people to die and go to hell. I remember what it was like when I was a boy. I remember, Lord, what it was like when you saved me. I wanted my, I wanted to tell my daddy about what Jesus done for me. I wanted everybody to know. I knew without a doubt, Brother Philip, at that time, that I, at that moment, on May the 16th, 1978, as a 12-year-old boy, I knew, Brother Dean, they were nobody that was outside of the grasp of the holy God of heaven. I knew that there wasn't anybody that God couldn't reach and he couldn't save. But as times goes on, as time goes on, how many do we say that they may be too far? They may be too far gone. I've got family. Sometimes I feel that way. Shame on me. Sometimes I feel that no, they're never gonna they're never gonna turn to the Lord. They're never gonna get saved. It's the fact is, is that I've never got the burden enough. To spend time on my face, burdening, begging, and praying. Can I, I remember an old time when I was 15, 16 years old, got my right, my life back right with God, and and I can remember coming to cottage prayer meeting, me and my preacher, and, and uh, we'd have a, <clears throat> well, it wasn't cottage prayer. I'm sorry, we'd meet every night before revival. We done had cottage prayer meeting the, all week, the week before, and. But on, on the revival night, what we'd do, Brother Philip, we'd meet an hour early. The men would. And my, and my preacher, Brother Richard, he made me feel real good because he said, Billy, he said, won't you to come with the men? Let's pray tonight. We're going to meet an hour early, and sometimes there'd be several, several men in there. Sometimes they wouldn't be, but two or three of us meet. But I tried to make it a practice, Brother Philip, when I thought I wanted to be there every time they was meeting to pray. Remember, you've been sitting down around that old Sunday school table in that, in that men's Sunday school room and hearing those old saints of God begin to pray. Brother Dean, I'd lay my head down on that table and I'd begin to pour my heart out to God. 
And I'd see the tears, the tears would be puddled on the table when I'd be there praying. And, and, and I, it, it was like I could actually see my daddy's face in hell. And I'd pray, God, please don't let my daddy die and go to hell. Oh, God, please don't let my daddy die and go to hell. God, please save my daddy. Fifteen-year-old boy. But as time got on, got went on, boy, the how the burden just kind of slips away. Because uh, he said, I had a somewhat against you because you've left your first love. Certainly they had left, left the love of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, if we don't start loving lost humanity, we're going to be in trouble. It's the beginning of apostasy. If we don't start loving those that are amongst us that's gone astray, we're going to find apostasy set in on North Spoon Baptist Church like it has everywhere else. You say, preacher, why are you preaching like this to us? Because it's the truth, y'all. It's in the Word of God. Well, what can we do? What can we do, preacher? He give us what we can do. There's a remedy to it. Look at verse number 5. He said, remember, therefore. Hey, look up here at me. Can you remember? There's one thing God's blessed me with, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a good memory. I can remember things. I can remember, I can remember, I can remember things that everybody else says. I don't remember that. Folks my age. Folks, I, I remember doing things that other folks around me was with me. They can't remember. I'm glad I got a good memory. But all that good memory does is it makes me, it makes me more accountable to where I used to be. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. <coughs> remember from where you used to be. Remember where you were. Look at where you are now. He said, and repent. The remedy is repentance. What is repentance? Saying, God, I'm sorry. In most Baptist people's mind, what repentance means is God saying, God, forgive me. But nothing ever changing. That's not repentance. Jesus told the church at Ephesus to repent. Repent. Remember from where you've fallen and repent. Do what? Look at your Bible. Look there at your Bible. What do you do? Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. And do what? The first works. Do those first works. You know what? When we see ourselves as we ought to see ourselves, we'll quit having so many problems with other people. We'll start seeing the souls of men as being important again, valuable, worth something, eternal. That lady this morning that was here, we could have looked at her and said, oh, 
you know, there's got to be a reason she's like she is. And at my first answer, that's what we all want to do. But I got to standing back there, Brother Mike, listening to her and thinking, this old girl's got a soul. And she's going to need a Savior. I can do damage or I can be a blessing. There ain't an amount of money you can put on a soul. It's invaluable. There ain't an amount of money, Brother Dean, that we can, we can say this one's worth this or this one's worth that. I'm telling you. I've got, there's two souls sitting beside my wife here tonight, and all of them are valuable in here, but there's two souls sitting beside my wife tonight that I'd give my eternal self, my, my eternity for myself. They're precious to me. And I'm glad, I'm glad God said I can pray for them, and I can love them, and I can tell them about Jesus. And I can lead them in the right way. And I can tell her, I can challenge their daddy to lead them in the right way. The beginning of apostasy is when we don't care. Listen, will you listen to me? If we can't care for our own families, we're certainly not going to care for nobody else. If we can't care and we can't be concerned about our children and grandchildren, we're not going to be concerned about nobody else's children and grandchildren. God gave me a child, son, gave me an Angela, a child. The first desire of my heart was to see that he got born again. I wonder where apostasy is in your life. The beginning of apostasy begins with a church pew or in a church pew among people who really know what to do. But they fail to respond to what God says. That's where it begins. They sit in the church pew in their minds or somewhere else. The preacher preaches and the Holy Spirit visits them. And they say, I'm not paying. I'm not really worried about that right now. You listening to me? Look at verse 7. I'm done. He that hath an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That's not talking about them things hanging on the side of your head. But it's that ear to your heart, your innermost man. For some reason, we've got to where we think we can debate with God. When God says our hearts should be broken, and we should move. Can I ask you, have you ever been sitting in church to preach or preaching or something, or somebody sing a song, and God touches your heart? 
and you fail to do what God told you to do. Y'all listen to me? Try not to preach you to sleep tonight. Have you ever done that? You know what that is? He that hath an ear didn't hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. I want to ask you this. Where will you be spiritually next month? Some of you is already headed out the door maybe. You may already be on your way out. Where will you be next year this time? If the Lord hadn't come back and called us out of here, where will you be spiritually speaking? Nevertheless, I'm somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. If you continue on the road you're traveling on now, where will you be? Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege tonight that you've let us stand. I ask you, dear God, for help this evening. I'm sorry, God, of my failures, of the wrong, of the things, dear God, that I may not have done that I should do and may not say that, or may have said that I should not have said. God, I know I need you, and I've tried to do it on my own so many times. And I'm sorry, God, of my failures and faults. But God, would you speak to the hearts of your people? But speak, speak loudly with the sweet spirit of God. God, cause men's hearts to be melted. God, help us not to be apostate. God, do something in our hearts and lives for us, please. God, work in us, I beg you, that we wouldn't leave our first love. God, please, will you do something for us tonight? that only you can do. And I'll bless your name forever. In Jesus' name I pray.